What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me is the man who got to use all of his problem-solving skills when we bought a new refrigerator recently, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. The highest problem-solving skill capability is to not try and fix the refrigerator, <laughs> go and buy a new one. And that's what we did. It was, it was irreparable. I took it apart in the back, and it was clear that the compressor had died on our old refrigerator, so... Yeah, we had to buy a whole brand new one, and we bought just a little refrigerator, right? Is that what we ended up with? Well, it's smaller than what we had, but it was definitely much more expensive. That seems to be the way things go uh, as life has gone on is that, yeah, things get smaller but more expensive. So for our listeners, we'll give a little bit of a background story here. We had a very big refrigerator uh, because we have a very big family, but they're kind of leaving the nest, so to speak. And I wanted something that fit more closer to the counter. So we got a, I wanted a counter depth refrigerator. And we needed one right away. So in the state of how we are in the United States with supply chain issues, there were only three refrigerators that we could have gotten. Now, the first one seemed to be great because it was right off of the floor. They would have wrapped it up for us. It was at a local outlet store and it had three dents in the front of it. Now, mind you, they were very small dents, but that was the first thing that I noticed about these refrigerators. You believe those were refriger- that was a refrigerator we could get. Yes. And clearly, I was out of my mind to think that I would buy a refrigerator that would have three dings in it. But yes. So then we went to another store and looked at what else they had. And they had the same refrigerator that we just saw, but it was minus the dents. Yeah, those minus the dents was a lot more expensive, too. So that didn't make sense to me. And then, of course, there was the, we'll say, the most beautiful of them all, the uh, fairest of the fair, and the most expensive one. And which one did you propose that I go with, though? After much consternation, I decided the better value for the marital longevity is to go with the one that does not have the dents. Yeah, that is where we went now. So the process for us, though, for the evening was excitement, then a little tension. Then there was this period of time where maybe we couldn't speak to each other very much about it. And then the next day we had to come to a resolution. You know, as the good deacon, you and I, 33 years of marriage this year, uh, we have come to learn that, yes, of course, we are not always going to agree on things. We're not going to always see eye to eye. It was definitely a discussion that we did, though, have to engage in and find a resolution that we could live with. But, you know, anytime we enter into a big priced purchase, it it is a a matter of working together in a way that isn't a typical day-to-day kind of interaction because it's taking so much of our focus. Just going out to get a simple refrigerator, as in most anything we buy anymore, there's so many choices and complications that come up. So having the ability to communicate and, and to work through it, I mean, that's that's always highlighted whenever we go out and do these big purchases like we did. And 
it, it turned out great. And my wife is happy and our relationship is happy and compromise wins the day. Scott, look, now we know that it wasn't about this particular refrigerator where the breakdown happens is in communication. And I was making projections of what I thought you were saying and wanting, and you were trying to tell me something that I wasn't able to hear. That's where the breakdown happens. And that's where we always got to try to remember, you got to stay in this. Now, there did come a time where disagreement, we'll say, came home with us as we were trying to make the decision. Unfortunately, our kids kind of knew things were not quite well But I guess the part of all of this, too, that worked out very well for us, that's been important for our kids to understand, too. And they recognize when things aren't quite right, when we're having a disagreement, but they always see the resolution. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I think, key, because I think we should be as honest as we can, also protecting, obviously, their, their innocence when they're growing up. But the older they are, I think it's valuable for us to be able to share that, hey, we don't see eye to eye on things all the time. And when we don't, how do we resolve that? Because how many people are they going to meet in the world that they're going to have to do that very same relational communication interaction? So, you know, I think it's a great learning opportunity. And at the end, we laugh about it. The kids see that. And, you know, that's a that's a blessing for them to know that marriage isn't this supernatural beyond the humanity um, experience. It is very much rooted in our humanity and God in his superhuman ability gives us the strength we need to persevere. Well, with St. Valentine's Day just around the corner, we thought we'd spend a little bit of time on our show today. Well, talking about marriage. And sometimes it's not always easy. Our guest today is Patricia Mackey. Patricia is a family therapist and counselor from Everyday Counseling. And she's joining us today because we're going to talk about some tips to remember when you have a disagreement in your marriage. And then after that, we'll just share a little bit more about our 33 years of marriage that has been wonderful, dynamic, and challenging at times, and how that all comes together to be this blessed reality of marriage. Stay with us. we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Hello and welcome to Catholic Bite 60 Seconds, where 2,000 years of faith and tradition is explained one minute at a time. I'm Father Tim Furlow of the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon, and today we're going to talk about grace. Inevitably, all of us get into a situation where we need help, and when we've exhausted all the human help around us, usually somebody says, hey, you know what you need? You need to pray for the grace to do it. So what does that mean? Because it kind of sounds like a really cold exchange of money. Like, hey, you out of money? Hit Jesus up. He's got five bucks. The old God is a slot machine, and when we pray, we're really just hoping our numbers come up. That is not it at all. There are several types of grace and many effects that grace has on us, but at its core, it's the literal, actual being and presence of God. It's God himself personally flowing into our being and permanently healing and changing us. Doesn't get much more personal than that. I'm Father Tim Furlow, and this is Catholic Bites 60 Second. This is Bishop Peter Smith of the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon. 
Please join me in praying the prayer for the Synod on Synodality. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We stand before your Holy Spirit as we gather together in your name. With you alone to guide us, make yourself at home in our hearts. Teach us the way that we must go and how we are to pursue it. We are weak and sinful. Do not let us promote disorder. Do not let ignorance lead us down the wrong path, nor partiality influence our actions. Let us find in you our unity so that we may journey together to eternal life and not stray from the way of truth and what is right. All this we ask of you who are at work in every place and time, in the communion of the Father and the Son, forever and ever. And may Almighty God bless you, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei Radio. Well, our marriages are meant to help us grow in holiness. It's a covenant that we make to each other and with God. That's not to say that our in our own humanness, we falter. And even in the best marriages, we have difficulties because of life circumstances. We also have disagreements, but those are still opportunities to grow so long as we keep to fair engagement. And we can be on opposite sides of a decision, but that doesn't give us permission well, to lay waste to the other in order to get our way. Well, joining me today to talk more about ways to overcome those disagreements, find a place of peace, and grow closer together is our good friend Patricia Mackey. Patricia is the counselor with Everyday Counseling. Patricia, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me, Brenda. Well, Patricia, sometimes in the heat of the moment, it is hard to remember to keep to the rules. It's often after things have blown up and we look back and we think, wow, that did not go the way that I wanted to. And it does feel also like it's the ones that we love the most that we tend to say the most terrible things to. Why do we do that? Exactly. They're safe. You know, you remember when your kids were really little, especially, you know, starting to go to school or starting to go to preschool, particularly we see it. You know, they go off and you're, the teachers always say, oh, they're just so wonderful and they're just so helpful in the classroom. We just had such a great day. And they come home and they just melt down. They just have an absolute temper tantrum. And you're like, this is, what is going on? Why were they so good when they were at their friend's house or at preschool and they come home and they just melt down? And it's because they just got back to the safe place. And that's how we feel with our spouse, too. They're safe. They've promised to love us. Well, we do tend to do that. And in fact, the good deacon and I were talking in our show that that happened to us recently. Even after nearly 33 years of marriage, we still fall into some of those bad habits. And, and we tend to take it out on the other person. So that way we get our way. Mm-hmm. Patricia, and again, as I said, we often look back on these and think, wow, that didn't go how I thought. But it's not an excuse to not try again and to kind of make peace, come back together, and then move forward. You have got some great ideas for our listeners today about how they can do that. Tell us a little bit about it. Absolutely. So first, I want to address 
the idea that fights are a bad thing in marriage. Yeah. <laughs> so like you said, you know, even after 30 years of marriage, my husband and I are coming up on 20. We still have fights. We still have disagreements. We still have our personal preferences. And you're right. We don't always do that well. We come in and it's we don't follow the rules. We don't do what we think is the way to handle conflict or the ways that we've learned how to handle conflict. We just let our bare human selves out. Mm. And people spend so much time and couples spend so much time berating themselves for that. <laughs> and it's, it's painful to watch because it's so human. It's not fair for us to expect anything more from ourselves. We're going to get into fights with the people we love and the people we live the closest with. And so it's really about what do we do next? And that's where we can grow. That's where all of the fruit that really can come out of a marriage comes from is what do we do after we've gotten into the fight? Patricia Mackey is with Everyday Counseling, and she's joining us today to help us kind of go over some rules of an engagement and find a way back to peace and love after we've had an argument with our spouse. About how much time, I mean, I guess you got to let yourself calm down before you can kind of engage into this peacemaking kind of way of thinking. Exactly. And what we know, what the science tells us is that's a minimum, minimum of 20 minutes. Okay. So the brain actually gets what we call flooded. You have all kinds of things happening in your body that stop you from thinking rationally. And so when you take that time out, which is so, so important, when you notice, oh, I am, I am angry, I am just feeling really overwhelmed, and you call that time out, it's a minimum of 20 minutes before you want to come back together and process what just happened. Fantastic, because I know how that feels. You just feel awful inside, and you're right, those hormones and energy and everything, just it needs to work out. So let's say we've given ourselves 20 minutes. For me, possibly, it might take even a little bit longer, but you know you're ready Mm -hmm. to resolve it. So what should we do now? Exactly. So I have a five-step process that comes from the Gottman Institute up in Seattle, and they're marriage researchers. And this is something that I work through with my clients. I work through it in my own marriage. And so it's five steps. And we call it the aftermath of a regrettable incident. And the first thing we want to do is we want to share how we felt. And this is the trickiest thing for people. And it's tricky for me, too. When we share how we feel, we have to use feeling words. And so, so often we say, I feel like Mm -hmm. this. As soon as you put the word like in after the word feel, you are not using feeling words anymore. You are now criticizing yourself. Okay. And we want to be so careful with that. What would be an example of starting out with feeling words? What does that sound like in a sentence? So it sounds like I feel or I felt out of control. I felt defensive. I felt tense. I felt overwhelmed. I felt my opinions didn't even matter. Uh, I felt powerless. Mm. And on my website, there are three handouts that people can print off. Two of them are feeling wheels. So they're very colorful. I actually give them to my kids for their writing assignments and say, here are some great adjectives to use. And another one's just a list of feeling words. Um, 
And we want to be careful because there are some feeling words that are actually blaming. And then there are feeling words that really are about our experience. And then the second step, you go through and you tell your version of reality, right? And so I'll often tell couples, you know, I've got a mug in my, in my office and my side of the mug has a beautiful picture on it and their side of the mug is just blue. And I'll say, okay, describe the mug to me. And then I go, it's blue. It's got some brown stuff at the top. Okay. (laughs) That's a mug. If I describe my mug, I'm going to talk about this beautiful picture on my side. And we're describing the exact same mug. And so I turn the mug around and show them. We just described the exact same thing, but my perspective was completely different. The vast majority of communication that we do is responsive communication. And so we do responsive listening. I'm listening to you to put it through my life experience, to share my life experience back with you. And I'm responding, right? My, all of my listening has to do with how am I going to respond to you? And when we're having these conversations, we want to move into receptive listening. We don't use this muscle very often, so it's a little hard. And receptive listening is I want to receive you. So my only responses are going to be very empathic statements, things like, oh, that must have been so hard, or whoa, wow, oh my, very short, one-word answers, Mm. and they have nothing to do with me. Patricia Mackey joining us today. Patricia is a counselor with Everyday Counseling, and she's helping us when we have a disagreement and argument with our loved one and get us back on the right track. All right, Patricia, so now we we are able to talk some more what are we going to do now from here? Because it might still feel like the decision or whatever it is that we argued about still not quite resolved. Right. And I think this is always right. We've shared, we've shared our viewpoint. We might feel heard by the other person. And now we want to solve the problem. And this is where I get to throw up big red flags and say, no, 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 no. It's not time to go there yet. You have not actually solved the real issue. Mm. And we're going to get there, I promise. The next step is we want to help each other understand what triggered me to be so angry about this, right? So you had shared about your refrigerator uh, conversation and argument and right. It might, after the fact, and you're kind of looking back on it and going, why did I get so angry over a refrigerator? Exactly. It's not (laughs) that important. And yet in the moment, it seemed like, well, what I wanted was the most important thing. Right. And I, I have, you know, many, many, many stories of that in my own marriage. And so the next step after we've shared our perspective is to share those triggers. What got triggered in me? And this is something really unique that for the most part, we only do with our spouse. And so this is really where we get to provide healing to one another and call one another to holiness and get to step in in the place of Jesus and say, I'm going to stand here as Jesus for you and listen and help heal this wound for you. And so triggers are, examples would be, I felt judged. I felt excluded. I felt ashamed. I felt belittled. I felt powerless. I felt out of control. And what we want to do here is we really want to hone in on what is, what was that big feeling in there and where else in my life and if possible, before our relationship with ourselves. 
where else in my life outside of our relationship have I felt this before? And then we share that story with our spouse. Oh, Patricia, that's beautiful. This Just the image of saying, let me be Christ to you. I, I, that's mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. That is who we are meant to be to each other. I can really sense how moving through this process is really a movement towards holiness. I mean, let's keep going now. Yes. And so the next step is responsibility. Acknowledge where you went wrong, right? Oh, that's hard to, to do. <laughs> yes. But since you've come out of this place of being vulnerable, being received by the other, it's a lot easier to do now, whereas so many couples want to put this step number one. I'm sorry. Let's move on. No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> no, perfect. we have to be open and vulnerable. And now I really do feel sorry. I really do feel, uh, you know, responsible. And I really do want to make amends with you. And so you want to share what set me up for miscommunication, right? Here's where you get to do that defending yourself which we all want. Well, you know, here's the reason why I got so upset. Here's where you're going to do that. You've been vulnerable. You've listened. You've offered one another that listening ear. You've stepped into that role of Christ. And now you're going to share what set me up. Uh, And this is actually a step that I was recently told is encouraged in confession as well. What set you up? What led you to this sin? And so that's what we're doing here as we're sitting with one another Okay. And then you use the, I'm sorry that, specifically, what was my contribution? Um, You know, so really being very specific about what are you asking forgiveness for? You have to offer forgiveness. Oh, Patricia, when you say that, I mean, I even think of in our own circumstances sometimes where you're right, you just want to end it and just like, okay, I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. I said, I'm sorry. Why are you still mad? Well, because you didn't do all of the things beforehand to allow that sorry to be really understood. So is there more that we need to do now? We're sorry and we're forgiven. Yes. And then we're going to do step five, last step. What can we do next time to avoid getting here again? Okay. The next time we're in a situation like one thing that I would ask you to do differently, and then you have your partner do the same. This is one thing that I would ask you to do differently, and this is one thing that I will. And so this is a really important, this is where you feel like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to move forward. Patricia, thank you so much for your time. Everyday counseling, that is your business, but it's going to be on a little bit of a hiatus. It is. We are welcoming baby number six, and we're so excited. But my motto is I I have to practice what I preach. If I give you advice, I better be following it. And one of my big pieces of advice is know your limitations. I'm going to be going on a nice little maternity leave. Um, But the website will still be up and active. And tools like this one, there's a little brochure that goes through these five steps, feeling lists. Things like that are going to be in the resources tab of my website. Oh, well, absolutely perfect. Patricia, that was a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate your time. We wish you all of the best, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brenda. 
And again, that is Patricia Mackey from Everyday Counseling. That is her website. I will be sure to add a link to where you can get right to her webpage and find some of those brochures and resources that she talked about, including what we talked about today on the show. I'll add that link to the podcast of this interview, MatsurDayRadio.com. It's not always easy and sometimes life could be deceiving. I'll tell you one thing, it's always better when we're together. It's always better when we're together Yeah, we'll look at them stars when we're together Well, it's always better when we're you know, Scott, I have to laugh because it does feel a little funny to me that we are going to celebrate marriages and celebrate St. Valentine's Day and talk about how to play fair in an argument. But we have always got to stay engaged. And those are important things to remember to have a good and holy and healthy marriage. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is, as we've talked about in the past, there is tendencies on gender view of something like buying a refrigerator. Uh, and the tendency for me is to, as I said to one of the guys, I just need a box with an ice block on the top, like the old refrigerators. And as long as somebody changes that ice block, I'm happy. But that's obviously not practical, nor is it pretty. And that means I, I relate that to the church and just the aspect of the dynamic of the church, male and female, the church is. And as a consequence, there's so much beauty that comes from this interaction and such truth that comes from this interaction of male and female within the church. And it's, it's, I think Pope Francis has really uh, emphasized this, that there needs to be more of that uh, integration and recognition of the value of male and female in the church and all that we do. That's echoed by our, our marriages. I think our marriages are the first and foremost central focus of how do men and women interact and and live in fidelity and love and grow not to not digress but grow over years and years of being married just hearing you talk about that scott just kind of really reminds me about you know as a married couple together our goal is to grow in holiness together right and our ability to grow in holiness is reflected in our ability to not turn inward, right? And that's what happens when you have these conflicts is because, well, our egos and our own desires get in the way. And now, well, we've turned that inward. Whereas if we can always remember to turn that focus outward, out towards you, and you though, would have to do the same thing for me. And then that way, those lines of communication stay open. Our hearts aren't closed off to hearing the other person. And then, boy, then you're able to use some of those tips like Patricia was talking about and staying in, you know, that disagreement. And even in disagreements, we can grow in holiness. Boy, yeah, yeah, it's not easy, but it is so worth the journey. In, in any relationship there, for it to thrive and continue to grow as God intends relationship to, to do, um, it, it has to be reciprocal. There has to be the willingness, as I so often say to people that I counsel in preparation for marriage and people who I marry, that that notion of dying to the other is so real. And when you get into a discussion like about buying a refrigerator, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, there's parts that you have to die to. Those things that you would otherwise, as you say, turn inward and say, 
this is what I want is, is to hang on and not die to the other. And so I have to be open to that and risk to say, you know what? Okay. Let me consider what you're, what you're saying. And my hope is that you'll consider what I'm saying. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.